Hi, and welcome to Ask Rev, a Christian podcast, where you can come online and ask any questions, be personal, biblical, Christian-related, theology, or church-related. And you can do that on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ask Rev Podcast. You can also hit up our TikTok at, at rev.wayne, and you can also give us an old-fashioned email at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. That is askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for sending some wonderful questions, and this week we're actually going to tackle a question that's been really kind of pertinent in the news lately. It's responding to the SBC Executive Committee report that was found on the guide, the Guidestone, which was a, rebo- a report offered to us by the Sexual Abuse and Assault Task Force that was elected by the SBC Committee this last year in Nashville. Yes. The one thing we do want to offer you guys is a trigger warning. We understand that this content will relate to a lot of the SBC primarily, but with the sexual abuse report being a primary topic of our questions, we do want to offer a trigger warning if you guys do not feel comfortable discussing this. We understand that you guys so much for even joining us with the podcast today, but we're going to go ahead and jump into our questions. All right, first question. Why do you support the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I support the SBC for one reason, one reason alone. I like what they do with missionaries. So they are a combined network of churches. So the one thing we always get confused is our SBC churches uh, controlled by the SBC convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. No, the Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptists believe in the autonomy of the local church. So the church that I serve in, we're the one who makes decisions for us. However, the Southern Baptist Convention in a whole was a way for us to funnel money into one thing so we can do a united effort to support so many missionaries as they go out into the field, both on the North American continent and into international missions. So when we look at the reason why I support the Southern Baptist Convention is because I like what they do with their missionaries and how they built that program. However, with things like the cooperative program and stuff like that, that also funnel through the state level, I like what they do on the state level a little bit more than I do on the uh, national level of the Southern Baptist Convention. So that's kind of why I support the SBC. I also agree with them theologically with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. But that's really kind of me in a nutshell why I support who they are. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. What's your stance on the current SBC turmoil? Okay. So this is where we really kind of jump into that kind of meat of the question. What is my stance on the SBC? I believe that the executive committee needs to be held accountable. So what happened with the guidepost report was the uh, sexual abuse tax force that we had elected to have so it's an outside investigator that came into the SBC Executive Committee and investigated for accusations and accounts of sexual abuse within the Executive Committee. So people who are reporting to the Executive Committee or people who have been members of the Executive Committee were kind of researched and investigated on a really deep level. Within that report, we found a list of over 100 pastors, including at the time one of the major uh, Southern Baptist Executive Committee presidents of the 2012, I believe it was 2008 to 2010, I might be wrong on that year, so please don't quote me, but uh, Pastor Johnny Hunt was uh, found to have a report and actually been accused and been a part of a sexual assault. So what is my stance on this whole report and what's going on? Honestly, I stand with the fact that I am upset with leadership right now. Mm -hmm. Luckily, as a member of the local church, as a pastor of a local church, That executive committee has no power over what I do. So we go back to that autonomy of the local church thing. But the reality is these people are standing for him and saying, hey, we are the Southern Baptist Convention. When I identify as a Southern Baptist pastor, whatever image they give, whatever image they show, 
is automatically assigned to me as well. Mm-hmm. So when leadership who are trying to take up to lead the mission, to lead the, the, the charge with the Great Commission, fails at such an extreme level. It is ridiculous. They need to be removed from leadership. Not only that, they need to be charged. Like, I believe wholeheartedly these men who have been caught with sexual assault, have been accused of sexual assault, need to be investigated and charged with the due justice that is deserved. Those families need to be taken care of because this... These accusations don't just affect the men who are standing up behind pulpits or saying, hey, look, we're leaders. Mm-hmm. This affects families, affects congregations. There's congregations around the world right now that are really kind of struggling yeah. because they just found out their leader was caught up in this kind of action. So I would say simply this. All of the executive committee, how we do the SBC, how the leadership of the SBC is formed, needs to be re- reworked. And all those leaders need to be removed from their post because this is ridiculous. I agree. All right, next question. Does it shake your stance on this convention at all? So speaking of the turmoil that has happened. It does not shake my stance. So knowing like from the first question, my stance is I'm really here to support missionaries, to support the work of Christ throughout these men and women who have been called into the field to go out and serve these other people, groups that I don't have an opportunity to minister to because, well, I'm a local pastor, so this is where I'm at. Those people who go out into the field that where they're called to go and be missionaries need financial support. So I wholeheartedly believe in the cooperative program. I believe in the missions funds that we're doing through that. I believe that is a great program. The North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, although they, I disagree with, I believe, the International Mission Board on theology because I am... I'm not reformed in my theology. I'm very conservative. I don't agree with a lot of the leadership that were in the International Mission Board. So we kind of come to a little bit of a straw there, but I believe in the fact that we're reaching people with the gospel. So it does not shake my view on the SBC, on the SBC theology, theologically. The Baptist faith and message, I believe, is still the most concise way to define true theology within the scripture. And it's actually my stances on all these different things from how God has described the fall of man all these different things that are within that. If you get a chance, go look at the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You guys will kind of understand my theological standpoints just by reading that. It kind of gives you the basis of all my soteriology, ecclesiology, all these wonderful big those ology words. $2 words. Yeah, those $2 words that we use for theologians that cost us thousands of dollars to be able to use regularly. But when we look at this Southern Baptist Convention being shaken. No, it does not shake my faith in them. It shakes my faith in the executive committee, Mm -hmm. which is just a subsection of it. These are the ones who try to make decisions. So now I'm looking at the executive committee going, okay, what did you do with my money? Mm -hmm. Okay, what did you do with our church's money when we donated it to you to support these people? Did this actually happen? Because now we're seeing liars placed Mm -hmm. up in roles. And guys, one of the big things is simply this. Pastors are flawed people too. So what I'm sitting here calling them out and saying, okay, look at them doing this, 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 this. I kind of stand hypocritical because, you know, I'm a sinner as well. But this level of sin, this sexual assault, anything of sexual, anything to abuse a congregation member in any way, shape, or form mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Be it manipulation, be it sexual assault, be it ah, physical assault. These things, all emotional abuse and assault, you know, all these things are destructive to your congregation. So whenever you have somebody who has taken up leadership over thousands upon thousands of churches and leaders saying, hey, look at us, and they make their use of that power unwisely. 
use their power for selfish gain. This is when we kind of look to the book of Jude, and we look in, uh, I believe it's chapter, uh, verses 14, 15, and 16 in the book of Jude, when we kind of see him describe these false teachers really in depth, these selfish shepherds, the ones who are in the pulpit for their own gain, these ones who are feeding themselves, not the congregation, feeding themselves, not the flock. I have an issue with that because we're over here calling these other people heretical and calling them heretics and calling them blasphemers and false prophets and false teachers when you're standing there in leadership being selfish, being an apostate in the way that Jude describes one as. Yeah, and they're just being really selfish because they're just thinking about themselves. Oh, yeah. And they're not thinking about how their actions are going to affect others. Exactly. Well, one of the things like when, uh, and yeah, we're kind of in the moment of kind of blasting Pastor Johnny Hunt here. And I'm not trying to tempt him. He's one of many names on the list, but he's one of the big ones. He was the uh, executive committee president in 2008, 2010, I believe, or 2012. Once again, dates I'm a little fuzzy with right now. But when he was in the executive committee, he was doing all this nonsense with the sexual assault that he did upon another pastor's wife, which angers me. And then for these last couple of years, has been doing a wonderful men's conference. And specifically speaking about love. Specific, loving your wife and loving your wife well. I can understand that people can come back and be redeemed in this and that you can come to know a whole new level by being rede- through redemption of Christ in these things. He is not accountable for the sins where they have been forgiven by God. But here's my biggest thing. That's where you failed. Don't come presenting yourself like you're, no, you're the absolute knowledgeable king mm-hmm. of this concept. Because what you have just done by us being seeing the true colors that's popped out is every man who's walked through that men's conference is questioning everything now. They're looking to see, hey, are we being toxic? Are we leading ourselves down a path of destruction? Am I treating my wife well? You know, when we saw the report, I had to legitimately look at myself. I learned so much and I applied a lot of what I learned through the men's conference between our relationship here. And when I heard the allegations, I stopped and rethought everything. Like, was I doing the right thing? Luckily, a lot of things he said, much like Balaam's donkey, uh, God could still use the mouth to speak. A lot of that I do believe is true and accurate. I think he was very biblical in what he said. But now you have people questioning, people who don't have that level of faith where they can go to the Word of God and start figuring it out. Well, I think a lot of people will take that and then leave the faith completely, too. Oh, wholeheartedly. Look at this guy. Like, I've really looked up to him, and then all of a sudden he this comes out like, oh, well, that's not a good example. I'm just going to leave. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing that happens like in the local church. Whenever you find out the pastor that you've been idolizing yeah. has done great things, not to put that onto a national scale where hundreds of thousands, almost millions of men have gone through this ministry. And they're just now realizing, wait a second. Yeah. You know, because, you know, pastors like that who have material that they put out for not just for men's conferences, but for deacons trainings, for mm-hmm. all these other programs to help uplift the local church. Now the local church is having to figure out what are we supposed to do. I think it hits home too so much because it's local. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he's literally just in the state down too. It's Woodstock. But not just that, he's he Southern Baptist. Not only that, he was a, you know, one of those things like I did always enjoy his preaching style. But I respected the man. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed what he taught. I understood what he stood for. Because he, from what we saw, he stood for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he did stand for the gospel. But I believe that his the issues he's done, not just 
as the executive, the president of the executive committee, but the way rooted down, the way all these actions happened, it was premeditated. So now I'm worried about everything else that's going to happen. Yeah. And with the other list of hundreds of pastors that are coming, like the hundred plus pastors that were mm-hmm. also found to have been a part of this. Now you have to understand something this here. There's more than, I believe, 30,000 Southern Baptist churches in the state of Tennessee alone. There's so many Southern Baptist churches in the state of Tennessee. Then you take that and you go on to the national scale. All right. When you go up to that big level of scale of all the different Baptist churches over throughout uh, the world, or throughout the United States alone, 100 is only a minuscule amount. Very minuscule. It's a decimal point compared to the big picture. But my issue is that's 100 leaders of the local church. That's 100 too many. That is 100 too many. When we are supposed to be above reproach, we are supposed to hold, we are held accountable for our actions beyond anything else. When we get to the great white throne of judgment and stand before the feet of God, God's going to look at us very simply and say this, you better be glad that I saved you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, look at all the things you've done and it was covered by the blood of the lamb. But look at the lives you damaged. Look who you hurt. Well, not just what lives you've damaged, but whose faith walks. I mean, their eternity Mm -hmm. is, you know, it could turn someone completely away. I mean, and say you've got a person who you've been working on and trying to reach them with the gospel and they hadn't made a decision yet. Now this is going to turn them completely away. Oh, this makes the conversation so much more difficult. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just affect that person who has been influenced directly by these perpetrators, but other people who have even seven degrees of separation from there, say you're in another country and they find out this, Oh, well you're, you know, your God saves this person and this person's a monster. So why would I want to be that? Exactly. Like why would I want to associate myself with that? Mm-hmm. We'll go to the point where uh, we go into the local discussion. Someone's going to walk up to me and go, Hey, uh, you know, Wayne, what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Oh, cool. What church do you go to? Oh, well, you know, I'm in my church. And they're like, oh, what denomination is that? Oh, we're Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. That's going to oh, turn people away. Well, the thing is, it comes down to the accusation of, oh, so you sexually abuse people. Y'all, yeah. we went, me and my father had the opportunity to go to the Southern Baptist Convention and the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board up in Nashville uh, this last year. And it was awesome. We I was the first time I've ever actually been to the National Convention. I truly enjoyed it. I've only been a Southern Baptist pastor for a short time. only been about six years. So got to actually go to the Southern Baptist Convention and get to experience it. While we're walking into the convention, people outside picketing it, calling us names. I was called a pedophile. I was called an abuser. I was called a pervert. I was called all these different words, which I am not. And I stand firmly on that. I was getting called all these names. And I just kind of looked at them. It's like, why? And it's because of situations like this where somebody else has been labeled it because it's true for them. Well, that true label stands for them, and not just them, but for everybody who's in that exact same bracket. We're all monsters. One bad owl, uh, excuse me, one bad apple ruins a bunch. Yeah, one bad owl ruins a bunch. So, I, I, know, I yeah. don't even know what was going on. It's been a long day, y'all. It's the last day of school. <laughs> okay, but that's really why I'm not shaking on my SBC stance. But I am shaking with the leadership. And I believe that we need to fix that. Yeah, I think they definitely need to reevaluate every single person who is in a leadership position. Well, that's one thing. One of the big problems when you look at the conventions on a national level, too, you get the pet pastors. The reason why a lot of pastors become into leadership is because they know somebody. 
Yep, politics, y'all. Oh, yeah. You got to love it. And it's not just for, like, the political level of it, but you get to get invited to go to, like, a youth uh, rally and you preach it. You do a really good job. Automatically, you're on the, the preaching circuit, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you get on the preaching circuit, they'll start putting you on committees. And once you start getting put on committees and you start looking at all these things, it's because you know somebody. Yep. You know, I've been in the ministry for six years. I don't have those connections. I work at the local church level and work in my local community. And that's the way kind of, honestly, I like to stay that way because I don't want to have to deal and be labeled that way with those committees. I don't want to get somewhere because I knew somebody. I want to get somewhere because I know the one person that matters, which is Christ. You want to get there on your own merit. Well, I want to get there on the merit of Christ, honestly, the merit of God, because God has blessed my ministry greatly. I love what he's doing. I love being able to be a part of it. And I want to go where God has led me, not just because somebody else said, hey, you should do this. Or, hey, we're going to put you on this committee. I don't I don't care for that. One, guys, I don't like committee meetings. They're the worst because they're sometimes pointless. But it's okay. But we just need to be careful, especially with our leadership, how we elect them, why they're in leadership. Make sure they're qualified. Yeah. And I'm not just saying they're qualified because, oh, they're preachers of the gospel, so they can make, lead the mission. Make sure they're biblically qualified. Exactly. Make sure they have been faithful, mm-hmm. not just to Christ, but to their family, to their wife especially. Yeah, my grandpa always said whenever they were looking at a pastor to uh, pastor their church that he, you know, he would go through the references. And then he would ask those references, hey, can you give me three more references? And so then he would call all those people. And then he would ask those secondary references, hey, can you give me three more people that I could call until he felt he was satisfied with that they had the right decision or not. And I think they're going to have to do something different and to dig deeper into their lives to make sure that there's nothing that could pop out like this. Oh, yeah. That's one thing that we really need to go do is let the, let the local body of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention be the ones who elect. Well, we are. We have the right to vote. But be, be the ones who nominate these members. Yeah. And, you know, if you feel really passionate about, passionately about this, you can probably talk to your pastor and find out information on maybe how to go to these meetings and be the delegate. Oh, yeah. Your pastor, because we're allowed to elect so many people. Uh, one of the biggest things is, guys, make sure you're a member of your church. Yes. All right. Always join your church. If you guys want to lead it, if you guys want to be a part of it, y'all, even if you're joining the choir, be a member of the church mm-hmm. because you're leading the worship. That is, I want you to be devoted to that church body. Don't just be doing it because, hey, this is fun. But do it because you're devoted to lead others to Christ. But join the church. Be there for a year. Figure it out. Talk to your pastor about how you can serve. Serve faithfully. Then if you say, hey, I want to be a part of the delegate that goes to the Southern Baptist Convention or to the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board or to the Kentucky Baptist Convention, all these different places throughout the United States, the Iowa Baptist Convention, how do we get to do these things? Ask your pastor. They'll show you how to do it. Because oftentimes what happens is the people who go to these things are your pastors and your deacons and some random layperson. So maybe it's time for you to be that random layperson. Maybe you step up and be a deacon. Maybe, hey, if you're called into the vocational ministry, go into the ministry. Also, make sure that you're reading through, like, for Southern Baptists, it's the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Make sure you're reading through that, that you agree with what they say. Or, you know, whatever your state says or whatever your church specifically says about the Constitution or whatever. Yeah. Make sure you know that in and out. Don't just go along with what people say is in there. Really read it. And test it against scripture and see if it's biblical. Oh, there are so many church documents that we have 
that I laugh at because the only people who know those documents or go by those documents are the ministers. Yeah, sometimes the lay people who've been there for years too. Yeah, but even those people, generally the lay people who stand up uh, that know the other uh, documents well, generally have been deacons. Like the one yeah. person I really think of, like your grandfather. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was one day that we went up to Iowa and to visit her family. And while we're up there, her grandfather and I had a very hardcore debate. I truly enjoyed every last second of it because he and I were just going back and forth. And he was like, I think this is how we're supposed to come together to learn from each other is by going back and forth with the discussion. It wasn't like we're getting mad at each other. He got a little heated, which was funny, because I've never seen that man angry at all. But he was mad about something, but he wanted to talk to me about it because I was a pastor. He wanted my opinion. But really, when he looked at what he was going through, he has the documents, and he knew it well. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't just like a small 15-page document. It was like manila folder after manila folder after manila folder. I think there's like 10 of those sitting on their dining room table, at least three inches thick. Oh, yeah. And it was so much that he knew by heart that he could quote. So when everybody challenged him, he knew it. I have all those documents. One sitting here on my desk, sitting up on my bookshelf with me. Uh, these documents that I use from other churches as well to kind of help reflect, hey, what can we do to be better? What's kind of policies be? You know, when I first got to our church, the first thing I instilled was a child protection policy. You know, we were building those policies and documents to help protect the church. But not just that. These documents have how we operate, what our faith standards is, what is the church covenant? What are you agreeing to when you say, hey, I want to be a member? Learn these documents, not just on your local level, but on the national level. Mm -hmm. It's why when the guidepost was revealed, guys, I don't like to read much. It's really hard for me to read at times. But when the guidepost released, I read all 288 pages of it because I had to know what's going on. Yes. Read your documents well. Let's go ahead and hit that next question. All right, next. So let's try to let's shift a little bit from what has happened to how would we handle things. Okay. So how should a situation like this be handled in the local church? Okay, so you, we're talking about sexual assault, sexual abuse, all that comes to the thing. Yes. Uh, let's say with a, let's use leadership for example. So if you come and you've been sexually assaulted by the pastor, sexually abused by the pastor, or, or deacon, maybe a lay person. Yeah, lay person. Uh, you need to go to the next higher part of authority. Now, what's that look like on your level? Well, actually, no. Let's back up for a second. You don't go to the next higher person in the church. First thing you do is you call the cops. Yes. Call the, go get tested. Go do whatever you need. File a report. Do your, do the whole, the whole shebang. Because simply for this, that is a crime. Yes. And they yeah. need to be That needs to be held accountable. For it. And the biggest thing, like churches always get into this mentality. Well, you're not supposed to sue each other or get each other arrested. If you're going to commit a crime... You lost all protection. You let yeah. yourself out there. Guys, that's one thing. Uh, we have a child protection policy that we've established. And the reason why we have a child protection policy is for this. If a child is ever, really, ever uh, sexually abused or harassed or anything like that within the church building, we have a system who gets reported to. We have a pastor who's on the point, be able to get the cops called, go ahead and get everybody pulled up and everything. Mm -hmm. The reason why we have that is because I want that child to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing when it comes to lay people in our church. If you ever get abused, come. If one thing's for certain, you have to know. Yes, the pastors work together. The pastors are united when it comes to the gospel. However, simply this: if one pastor is making mistakes to that degree, the pastors are going to hold are going are here to protect you and here to take care of you. Mm -hmm. We're going to hold them accountable. So come to if you have somebody you can confide in, go to them. Your deacon, your pastor, whatever, go to them. 
and let's get it fixed. Mm-hmm. It needs to be reported. There needs to be a there needs to be a police report. There needs to be a kit. There needs to be everything checked. There's a whole system that goes into it. And I'll be honest with you. If your pastors are more worried about the news coverage over the the health and well-being of their congregation, go to a different church. Yes, leave. Because frankly, is this. If you are not being taken care of, if you are being destroyed and hurt by your leadership, that is not fair for you. Christ does not like that. Mm-mm. He abhors it when leaders take self as an example. We talked about the book Jude earlier. When he talks about these apostates, these false teachers. When people are taking these selfish shepherds. Whenever you're in that kind of situation, let us be able to take care of you as much as we can. Go find somebody else in the church. Get all your system done like you're supposed to legally. Mm-hmm. And let's get that man out of the pulpit and out of the clergy because he does not need to be there to hurt more people. Yeah, and you know, you might think maybe, oh, well, I'm, I'm the only one who's had this done. You might not be. So if not only for yourself, protect yourself, but you can always stop him from doing it to the next person. Exactly. And one of the biggest things is I can ask, I'll ask you this is after something like that happens, if you ever have to go through that, which I pray you never do. If you ever go through something like that, get help. Mm-hmm. Seek mental health. All right. There's plenty of uh, people in our area. That's one thing that we always see is like, okay, for the pastors of the church, one who's a, hurt me. If you have a multiple multi-staff church, it's wonderful. Ask your other pastors, see, hey, is there anybody I can go to? I need help. If they don't offer it to you, if not, go ask the mental health associations that are in your area, people that you need to go see. Also, you can ask your general practitioner. They should be able to give you some advice on where to go. Exactly. All of us, they all have the resources you need. And y'all, things like this is something to be dealt with so seriously. We have built a tight-knit group so much within the, the clergy community that people were able to get away with it for so long. And that needs to stop. Because frankly, is this. My job is not to protect the shepherds from the wolves. My job is to protect the flock from the wolves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes wolves don't just wear sheep's clothing. Some of them Mm -hmm. wear shepherds' clothing too. So we have to make sure that we are here to protect you guys. We build policies for that reason. We have gateways for that reason. We will get you the help you need. Yes. Um... And or if even if you hear, say it's not even you who has been in, put in this situation. Maybe it's your friend or your spouse. Support them. Be with them. Hold their hand through the whole thing. Pray for them. Get them to where they need to be. And don't just say, "Oh, I'll help you if you need anything." Just reach out. No, actually, go help them. Like say, "Hey, I'm going to take you out to go get coffee, just to just be a support system." Like if they need a ride. Take them. Sit in the waiting room with them. You know, do what you need to do in order to keep them safe and to feel comfortable. The one thing that's always scary is saying, hey, I have to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. How about we go together? Let's go together. One of the things I could really stress here to uh, spouses, husbands, you know, and wives, because sexual abuse goes to both genders. Yeah, it does. Spouses, take care of your spouse. If they are going through this, if they admit something to you, believe it to them. Believe it. All right. Believe it until the moment where it's proven false or proven true. Hold their hand. Go with them. Support them. 
reassure them. Because one of the things that really come through things like this is the I've betrayed my spouse mentality. Mm-hmm. But it's the shame that the abuser has put on them too. Exactly. Like, don't tell your spouse. Yeah. Well, we're not going to tell anybody about this, okay? Uh, okay. It's kind of the reaction. So that, that, that jarred kind of deer in the headlights. I can't believe this happened already. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes too, they a lot of abusers will make you think that if you say something about it, they will hurt you or your family. Mm-hmm. Just don't believe them. They're a lot of talk. Well, a lot of times, like they'll like they'll make it to where you don't. I know they will ever believe you. I mean, which is common to the case of some of the leadership in the executive committee. Mm-hmm. It was made to believe that oh, nobody will ever believe you, even to the point where they went to go seek help, and got railroaded, mm-hmm. got ran over yep. by it. All right. So yeah, no, seek help. Do what you can. Guys, be there for support each other as much as you can. But really, what the process is for the local church, what we should do. You have an accusation against somebody. Report it. Call the cops. Come tell other leadership in the church. Like so, call the cops. Get the thing dealt with. Let the other members of the other leadership in the church know what's going on. If you don't mind, if you don't mind. All right, that's not a priority. We'll start helping take care of you if we can, and we'll move on from the next step. Just always know that's what's available for you. Yeah, and you know, leaders, if you are even thinking about this, stop. Like, if you're even thinking about doing this to somebody, stop it. Get help. We are to be held to a higher standard. We have been placed as, I hate to use this phrasing, but the mouthpieces of God, what we are is we're carriers of his gospel. that's That's what we strive to do is to bring other people to the gospel. Stop using your power and authority to hurt others. It is not right. It's counterproductive and is counter to the gospel. Stop it. Yeah. Do we have any more questions to go along with? Um, yes, we do. We have one final question. And so let's say that you have been approached personally that this has happened to somebody. How would you handle it? Okay. So how me, should it be handled? Okay. Well, no, let's take it the way I, I, I would handle it. So let's say... Uh, one of the ladies in the church comes up to me and says it's another member of the leadership. All right. This is hypothetical. Always remember this. Hypothetical. First thing I would do is make sure they, hey, let's go get your spouse. Get him in here. Let's sit down together. Make sure we're not going to sit. We're not going to be alone together. Nuh-uh. Mm-hmm. Not playing that game. Not, I'm not even going to make you feel like you're trapped. No. Let's go get your spouse. Let's sit down together. All right. As they come together, okay, we need to talk to your spouse. We'll help do whatever we can. After that, we need to call the cops. All right, that way all three of us are on the same page. All right, we can get in there. Uh, Kaylee, you're my wife. You most likely get pulled in there with me. Mm-hmm. All right, we're there to help support you, get you everywhere you need to, do whatever we can do to help you right there, get the cops here. We're going to walk with you through it. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm not going to say a thing. All I'm there to do is help you with support. You got to own up to it. You got to help. I'll do whatever I can. If I have to call 911 and say, hey, any cops here? You've had this happen. I'll do that. But you got to tell the report. I can't say it. It has to be you. Let you report it. We're going to make sure you're protected. As you're getting that, my job is go ahead and start getting to other members of leadership that I need you to go ahead and take care of this one person. If the cops are going to take care of them, we're going to take care of our side of it. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? We're going to call a special committee meeting. We're going to have a moment where we can go ahead and take care of our part of go ahead and getting taken care of one of Which means a sabbatical. Which means a, well, a forced sabbatical, forced separation. 
Probably a formal investigation. Formal investigation. After formal investigation, if it is proven true, you're out. All right. There's no questions about it. We also pray that uh, the legal side of it will take care of you. And the one thing is, I, I protect my volunteers a lot. I always have this phrasing. This is how I am. You come up to me and say, hey, I've been accused. The first thing I'm going to do is I want to help defend you as much as I can. However, I'm going to also investigate the snot out of you. Mm-hmm. Because the, the reality is, is if you hurt somebody on our watch, I'm responsible. We have taken a level of responsibility in our life to uphold the gospel and to take care of people. So your pastors will do what we can to make sure we serve you in all that we can do. Mm-hmm. After we get the cops involved, after we get all that stuff taken care of, after we're handling that pastor, my next step would be simply this. Here's some resources. Here's people you can go check with. Hey, uh, all the things that come along with it. Here's everything we can hand you. Mm-hmm. All right. And when we look at these kind of cases, there's no perfect way. It's always case by case when we really look at it. Because there's so much things we can do and can't do depending on what happened. Or who, yeah, who the victim is. Because if they're a minor, obviously the parents are involved. Yeah. Well, if it's a minor, then there's no, I, we don't handle nothing. The cops are called and the person's yeah. getting arrested right there and then. All right. So we always look at those kind of levels. What's going to happen? Who do we call? There is a couple people on the police force that I do keep in my pocket. They're on my phone. I know exactly who to call. So if I have a question, I call them and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do we do? So we always keep connections with people in our area. That way, if we are out of our shell, if we don't know what to do next, we'll make sure we find it. And we'll make sure what we do is the proper procedure. And also just, this goes back to knowing your church documents. Go through it. Maybe your church does have a protocol system in place for this kind of event. So even just as cautionary, look through it and see what it says. But also, if your church does not have one, you might want to bring it up to your committee, whoever, in a business meeting or something, say, hey, I think we need to develop one of these just in case. It's always better to have things just in case until, or um, it's better to have things just in case in the fact that it would happen or could happen. But it's like insurance. You want to have insurance, but you hope you never use it. Exactly. That's one thing is a lot of actually insurance, uh, with church insurance companies, require us to have some of these documents built. That's why we have child protection policy procedures is because the insurance said, hey, we need one. So I made one, and it was approved by a lawyer. It was perfect for what we needed. And so that's what we have, and that's what it's for. We have a um, any certain cases happen. And remember, these policies and procedures are only kind of a wide, broad spectrum. This is what we do in case of something of like this kind of nature. So it's not like, okay, this is the specific thing. So sometimes it's not perfect, but know the procedures anyways. That way we know what to work for. If you are in any sign of any kind of leadership, any kind of teaching role, any kind of lay uh, ministry role, or if you're in the ministry yourself or a support staff member, make sure you know your church documents well enough that if something happens, you know what to do next. Yeah, and even if you're just, maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and you hear somebody else talking about something like this, you know, I would report it. Especially Talk to your if, pastors. Yeah, especially if, you, if there's any possibility or even an inkling that you think this could have happened. Talk to your leadership because that stuff needs to be taken seriously. Yes. And the biggest thing is like, we're always looking at this as a multi-staff church. Mm-hmm. Not every church is multi-staffed and we get that. Talk to your deacons. If you can't, if you don't think you can talk to your deacons, director of missions in the local area or whoever the next step up is mm-hmm. in that chain, find out who it is, 
go to them. Whatever you can to find help, do it. All right. If you need counseling, go for it. All right. Uh, if you hear, it's always that like the see something, say something kind of mentality. If you hear something, say something too. Yeah. Because the biggest thing is we're here to protect you and help you. We can't help you if we don't know. But guys, we are so sorry that it is a heavy topic this week, but we are very thankful for that questions, that yes. were, those questions that were submitted because this is something that's going on and it's something that's been going on for so long in the Southern Baptist Convention and in a lot of other denominations and, it, and faith. It needs to stop. And it is, we need to address it. We need to talk about it. We need to fix it and we need to get past it. Because simply as this, this is not what the gospel is supposed to be about. This is not what we're supposed to do as Christians. As pastors, as leaders, we are supposed to be better than this. We are supposed to be above this. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are no longer bound to that sinful nature. We need to get out of it. Yeah. If you are stuck in certain sins, guys, if you're stuck in sin at all, seek help. Get out. Come talk to your pastors. We'll love to be able to pray with you. We'd love to minister to you. Find a good disciple, or somebody who's going to disciple you, somebody who lifts you up in Scripture. Read your Bible. And they And your pastors will be able to recommend books for you. Oh, yeah. Or maybe seminars or conferences or whatever. I'm sure they've got a bunch of resources that could help you. If you walk into my office now and say, hey, I need this, it's probably on the shelf right behind me. Yeah, you've I'm just the reality of, of it. So just make sure you guys are seeking out information. Find out new ways. We'd love to be able to disciple with you. But not just that, guys. Be careful on what you do. Mm-hmm. But the, the church is not meant to be a place that is scary. The church is supposed to be a place of safety. And that's what we need to rebuild. But guys, thank you for the questions. If you have any more questions, please do submit them to us. Kaylee, how can they submit them to us? You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ask Rev Podcast. You can reach us on TikTok through the Q&A at at rev.wayne. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. That is askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Guys, please submit your questions. We're loving what we're getting. Uh, if you guys have any more things you want to submit us, or if you guys have any questions, DM us, email us, do what you guys can. Uh, until next time, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.